heavenly armor will enter the land. The battle belongs to the Lord. No weapon that's fashioned against us will stand. The battle belongs. To Greetings, I'm Will Tompkins, and this is the Narrow Way Podcast. This series of episodes is our 17-week study of John Bunyan's timeless book, The Pilgrim's Progress, edited by C.J. Lovick. This edition is available on Amazon in both paper and on the Kindle e-reader. It is also available on the Crossway Books website. Links to both are available in the description text of the first episode of this series. Power of darkness comes in like a flood. The battle belongs to the Lord. He's raised up a standard, the power of his blood. The battle belongs to the Lord. Now, at the end of our previous episode, which covered chapter 5, a faithful friend. We left Christian and Faithful as they were completing the sharing of their trials and victories in the valleys of humiliation and the shadow of death. It is where they learned, and we, these spiritual truths, the delight of Christian fellowship, the danger of spiritual pride, the defeat caused by shame, and that discontent robs us of our joy. I ended uh, that discussion by reminding you that, by and large, Christians exhibit shame in their actions virtually every day, by avoiding public prayer, by hiding their faith, by shunning opportunities to tell others of our Lord, by engaging in inappropriate subjects in order to blend in, or by denying the Lord altogether. And I called these actions regardless of motive, shameful, because there is, loved ones, no other word for it. When we are overtaken by these things, we must seek strength from the Spirit, remembering always the Lord's admonishments in Matthew and Luke. First from Matthew 10.32, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. And from Luke 9.26, Whoever is ashamed of me in my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Well, the message is clear, isn't it? You must be willing to stand for the Lord with the full knowledge that it could isolate you and you must be willing to accept the risk of persecution. Now, in this episode covering chapter 6 of our source text, Faith Beyond Words, we will discuss a great pretender whose name is Talkative. Before we begin, the editor of our text, C.J. Lovick, reminds us that herein lies a warning to true Christians, quote, be careful not to judge too quickly those whom God has blessed with both genuine grace and a fluency to speak of divine mercy in ways more eloquent than others. 
Christian and faithful will learn this most pivotal truth. Do not be taken in by pretenders in the faith. Hear and remember, loved ones, these words from James one twenty-two to 25 But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not for a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Now an overview of today's text. The subject of this chapter is a man who goes by the name of Talkative and lives on Pratting Row with his father, Mr. Saywell. Talkative proclaims the word but does not live it. He expounds and sermonizes but does not bend a knee. He or anyone like him is a man unworthy of your time. As he departs, Christian counsels faithful to let him go. Talkative's loss is his own. He claims to know the gospel, and yet he lives in ways that are offensive and contrary to the gospel. He speaks well of truth, and yet he is offended and unreceptive when faithful seeks to compare it, that is the truth, to Talkative's life. He is given every opportunity to receive help and instruction from faithful and Christian, and yet, annoyed and belligerent, he ends up walking away. Talkative was not of them. He was of the world. From 1 John 2.19, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. Listen, Talkative shows great knowledge, but he does not know the Spirit. From 1 Timothy 6, 3-5 If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words, from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such withdraw yourself. Essentially, talkative appears to be a man dedicated to the gospel, and yet there is no substance, no deeds, no heart to reflect his words. He is a shiny but empty vessel. Now we join Christian and faithful as they are walking along the way in an area that is more wide than narrow, and they notice a man walking to the side of them. Our pilgrim, faithful, walks over to the man and begins a conversation. Now Talkative's words convince faithful that he is a worthy traveling companion, for he speaks of spiritual things such as salvation, prayer, repentance, etc. 
Indeed, he is so impressed with Talkative that he walks back to Christian and tells him he would make a brave companion. Christian, however, knows this man, where he comes from, and his deeds. He knows that spiritually talkative is empty. In fact, he is spiritually dead. That his spirituality is cerebral and not of the heart. He is knowledgeable, not faithful. Christian likens him to the unclean animals in Leviticus 11, 1 to 3, which tells us there are two prerequisites prior to eating an animal. It must have a divided hoof and it must chew the cud. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, say to the Israelites, of all the animals that live on land, these are the ones you may eat. You may eat any animal that has a divided hoof and that chews the cud. Now, how how does this apply to talkative? Indeed, how does it apply to any follower of Christ Jesus? Well, a divided hoof relates to living a life separated from the world, a life that is lived for the Lord. And chewing the cud, that relates to knowing, studying, conversing about the Holy Word. The problem with talkative is that he meets only one of the two requirements, and that is chewing the cud. His life, on the other hand, his deeds, his actions with his family and others, they are void. James one twenty two, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. James 2.14, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Here's the lesson. Talkative and many others say they are saved. But the truth is this. If your life has not been transformed, then you remain lost in sin. Thus, the living testimony of our lives and actions have immeasurably more impact than our words. When we're viewed close up and unprepared, think candid camera here. What will others think of us then? Now, unlike faithful, Christian is not fooled by this talkative character. Indeed, he sees right through him. He knows where he's from. He knows how he treats others. He's a cheat, a liar, deceitful and dishonest in business dealings. And he knows how he treats his family. He's a condescending brute with his wife and children. In other words, he knows what kind of man he really is. Christian says, Everything this man has is in his tongue. There is no sanctification in his heart. He says that he, that is talkative, is a saint abroad and a devil at home. And that like the Pharisees, he says but does not do. Matthew 23, 3. Talkative loves to, well, talk, but more like pompously pontificate expound, control, brag, hot air. 
but he's no match for faithful. And now, having been enlightened by Christian, faithful returns to Talkative for the purpose of testing him. That is, to determine if the power of God is really revealed in his life. To do this, he will ask Talkative two qualifying questions. 1. How does God's saving grace reveal itself in a man's heart? That is, how do you know when one is truly saved, that is, born again? Do the fruits of your life, this is number two, do the fruits of your life and your talk match? That is, does the testimony of your life prove your salvation? Let's pause here, loved ones, for an illuminating truth. These questions that Faithful is asking are not at all unique to Talkative, who is but a character in this book, an allegorical vessel from which we learn this truth. These questions are really for each of us to answer. Now, in response to the first question, which is, how does God's saving grace reveal itself in a man's heart? Talkative answers, where the grace of God is in the heart, it causes great outcry against sin. With this, faithful interrupts, telling him the answer is wrong. The error lies in the fact that true salvation causes a soul to hate its own sin, not just cry out against it. Talkative fails to understand and asks what's the difference between his answer and faithful's. Faithful answers that many cry out against sin, but fail to see the inroads that sin has made in their own lives. Like the Pharisees, talkative spews righteous indignation at the sin of others, while completely excusing his own wretched sin. Talkative offered a second proof of salvation, that saved men have a significant knowledge of the mysteries of the world. Again, faithful interrupts to declare the answer false. And why is that? Because great knowledge can be acquired by any hearer of the word. But it cannot be fulfilled without being a doer. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them, says John thirteen seventeen, And in 1 Corinthians thirteen two. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Faithful wounds talkative when he says, to know pleases talkers and boasters, but to do is what pleases God. Listen, loved ones, The work of grace demands the conviction of our sin and the indispensable requirement to place our trust and faith in our Savior, Jesus Christ, not ourselves. Amen. Now, Faithful puts forth his second question to Talkative. Do you possess these evidences of salvation, he asks. Why does Faithful ask such a pointed question? because he suspects that talkative is, well, all talk. At this, talkative takes offense and parts company with our two pilgrims. Faithful's closing remarks were these as he ends with his tribute to the work of the heart. 
Then did Faithful say, How talkative at first lifts up his plumes! How bravely does he speak! How he presumes to drive down all before him! But so soon as Faithful talks of heart work like the moon that's past the full, into the wane he goes, and so will all, but he that heart work knows. In the end, the message of this chapter in our source text is life-altering, and it demands to know where you stand with God. First, it makes visible for us the destruction of those who choose only to hear while making clear that life unto the ages is for those who choose also to do. So, loved ones, will you be a hearer only or also a doer? Second, we must make a public confession of Christ. Matthew 10, 32, 33, Therefore, whoever confesses me before man, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And third, we must live a holy life. First Peter tells us, He who called you is holy, and you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Notice here that this is not written like, Give it a shot, you might like it. Or I suggest you might think or try living a holy life. No, this is an affirmative, declarative statement. Be holy. As well, so what is holiness anyway? Well, here's the formula. Faith plus obedience equals holiness. Think about it. If you're faithful, you'll be obedient. If you're not obedient, you're not really faithful. Combine the two, and that is holiness. Finally, we must realize that at the end of the day, we are all responsible for our own salvation. Philippians 2.12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. If Pilgrim's Progress and the scripture therein has taught us anything, loved ones, it is this, that you and you alone must travel this narrow road, that no one can do it for you. There are no surrogates allowed. It is just you, your advocate, and God. Please pray with me. O Father, the one above all others, Humbly we come before you, seeking the wisdom we do not now have, the truth we cannot yet see, and the strength we cannot yet find. Shore us up, Father God, that we may be among those who not only sit at your table, but also work in your fields. May our faith be made perfect in our obedience as we strive for holiness in the sight of our living God. Amen. Well, in our next episode, loved ones, we'll discuss chapter 7, On Trial for the Gospel. Until then, 
May the Comforter be with you always to guide you in the way that leads to the city. 